Hey y'all, what's up? This is your girl, Dr. B. Bellamy. Welcome to Sunday Dinners, a conversation series about our understanding of God, love, mental health, and all those things in between, honey. I don't want to take up too much of your time, so let's just hop right in. Forgiveness, true forgiveness, can and for me has been difficult. I think what was more difficult was realizing that I was in fact not practicing forgiveness at all. At all. (laughs) I was suppressing everything, moving forward physically, but mentally and emotionally, I remained very present in the offense. I believe I referenced this before, but A few years ago, uh, during some part of 2018, it was this particular lesson uh, that I was teaching on the journey towards understanding love, shame, and forgiveness that the Holy Spirit really helped shape in me. Um, It was that particular lesson that kick-started my intentional journey towards understanding those three concepts. Of course now, you know, in all of my understanding, I would still have a difficult time in aligning my behavior with my understanding. You know, I consistently fall short in understanding how to apply that which I understood um, to have a sustainable change in my behavior. Y'all know bad habits die hard. (laughs) But as a reminder from a previous episode, I knew then before I could even articulate it my pursuit of God had always been met with my pursuit of freedom freeing myself from all things except that which God wants for me as it pertains to how I'm to give and receive love and fully live a life of freedom in him especially freedom there's freedom in God a freedom of which I have committed my entire life's pursuit to obtain. And what I've come to understand, and I'm still learning how to do, is uh, stewarding the freedom that I have obtained by stewarding my life with love, discernment, wisdom, and understanding, boundaries, (laughs) and other necessary things so that I can not only sustain the peace and freedom I have, but allow it to grow and and to permeate others. So within that, there are a lot of things I had to let go. One major thing I had to let go was this idea that forgiveness stood alone, that forgiveness was not attached to freedom, when actually forgiveness walks hand in hand with it. Today, I can say I'm grateful for the lessons and the heartbreak and all that has come to clear my vision and aid in my understanding of what God wants me to know and embody when it comes to love, when it comes to shame, and when it comes to forgiveness. Tonight, we're talking about stewarding forgiveness. And this is truly a concept you will not be able to do well 
or to do at all if you do not understand how to first steward love. So if you have not listened, listen to episodes one and five. Um, As we get into this episode, take note of this thing. Forgiveness takes time. Stop rushing yourself and others to get to a place before you or they are ready and before you fully understand what it will take for you to face forgiveness. You're not doing anyone any justice. All you're doing is kind of lying to yourself and the other person if you claim to be ready to forgive before you actually are. So take the time. Now, let's go ahead and get into tonight's episode, Stewarding Forgiveness. Hey, y'all, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Anchor 11 Company's podcast. Again, we are talking about stewarding forgiveness. Um, And I want to kind of start this off with one of the most, I guess, maybe cliche sayings that you hear about forgiveness. But it's true. It's true. Um, And it's forgiveness is about you, not the other person. And uh, while we hear that all the time, I don't know if we really understand what that means or even how to make forgiveness about you and one other thing I want to say before we get into this episode like (laughs) there are a lot of um, motivational speakers and influencers and um, mental wellness uh, influencers especially who are teaching the masses how to go about uh, so-called healing, how to go about so-called grief and and all these things, right? Which I do believe have merit. All of them have merit. And I don't ever want to take away from the great work that they're doing, the impactful work that they're doing. But we have to find a sustainable source to always pull from. And if you've been listening to me long enough, if you uh, know me at all, my sustainable source that I'm referencing is the Bible. Um, It's the scriptures. It's going back to what does God have to say about these things? And yes, it will take um, an intentional effort on our behalf to really search the scriptures and ask for discernment and ask for understanding and wisdom and all these things. But it's there, right? I want us to try to find um, our way back to the scriptures to uh, in order for us to find the answers uh, for the deepest questions we may have, such as how in the world do I forgive this grievance? How in the world do I forgive this person? How do I forgive myself? The answers uh, are in the Bible. I'm not going to dare say that they, they are explicit, uh, and, but to me, I think if you read and you study, they're explicit enough um, for proper application uh, to our lives. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, I'm going to start off this episode with two of the anchoring scriptures that I have selected for this particular podcast. In general, if you listen to the first uh, first episode, I referenced uh, Mark 
12, 30-31, and 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Um, and I referenced these scriptures at that time because I wanted to um, emphasize the order of love, right? So by now, we know, based off of Mark 12, 30-31, the order of love is to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So we are to love God through and through, right? And then we are to love ourselves and then love our neighbor, right? We are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, but we cannot love our neighbor until we love ourselves. So you cannot love me, right? Until you understand, until you know what it is to love God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then until you know what it means to love yourself. Okay. Um, the other scripture that I heavily referenced was 1 Corinthians uh, 13, four through eight. And for the purpose of this particular episode, we're going to emphasize uh, verse five, where it speaks about uh, love, not keeping any record of wrongs. And uh, so keep those two verses in in mind as we move forward. This particular episode is scripture heavy. If you want to reference any of the scriptures, I have uh, them listed down on the post. So just go back to Uh, my IG page, and you'll see all the scriptures that I'm referencing in terms of stewarding forgiveness. Um, But there are plenty more, right, for you to search for and to study. Again, this is not a Bible study. This is just me trying to walk beside you uh, on this journey called life as we try to understand ourselves better, um, as we try to understand God. Um, So you also do the work, right? You also search for scriptures about forgiveness. Um, but what I will say about forgiveness to start off, we are taught forgiveness in the same way we are taught love. We are taught that forgiveness is an external action, right? We are taught that love is an external action and we are to uh, give love. We are to give forgiveness all to others, but we are not taught how to love ourselves. We are not taught how to forgive ourselves. Um, And I will say this over and over and over again (laughs) until my last days, but just like it is important to understand and steward love and understand the order of love, it is just as important to understand the order of forgiveness. Okay? Um, these scriptures will be key as we move forward. And I also want you to uh, hold on to this understanding as we push through. Uh, The ability to forgive yourself is, in fact, the ability to love yourself well, okay? So that you can effectually love and forgive others. Now, let's start off with talking about forgiving ourselves, And how deeply intentional and specific you must be to call out everything of which you feel ashamed. And when you call these things out, when you highlight, when you give a voice or a name to shame, make sure you do this in gentleness and in love. 
Do not judge yourself for any of it. You are simply calling out whatever it is. You, in the words of Iyanla Van Zandt, you are calling a thing a thing, okay? So we're going to start off with this exercise in terms of uh, how uh, to start the practice of forgiving yourself. At this time, you may need to get a notepad or jot it down on your phone and, uh, or, and, and write out everything that has you crippled in shame or heck by now, if you've been carrying it so long, it may not feel as weighty, but in fact, it's still something that you carry. Um, so just, I want you to think back um, or think of those things that are still making you cringe, even in terms of either your decision-making or your thinking or your way of being, just think about those things, write them, write them down um, and write them down again without judgment. The work here, the goal here is to free you from the shame, to free you from the weight so that you can open yourself up to forgiving yourself for it all. Okay. Um, I recently uh, conducted a short lesson on forgiveness um, to a ladies class. And uh, the basis of that particular lesson was on freedom, how we are free in Christ. Also, um, what I pulled from that is that there is no one that can put shackles on you. There is no one that can shame you. There is no one, no entity, no, no one, no, no person, no being that can shame you and condemn you, especially if you are Christ. And so what I'm going to do is because, again, um, I'm trying to pull us back to scripture um, I have um, a set of scriptures here that I want to go ahead and reference Romans one verses one through 14. And this particular uh, scripture speaks to the freedom from shame and condemnation we have. In fact, if we are in Christ, verse one reads, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Notice we are set free. There's no condemnation. Okay. For those who are in Christ, it goes on to read for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who did, do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So God dealt with shame and condemnation through his son. Okay. So currently at this time in the present day, right? Since God dealt with same, uh, shame and condemnation through Christ, Shame really does not exist. Condemnation does not exist at this present moment in time. Shame and condemnation has to be man-made. It has to be a construct that is no longer of God. Okay? So think about that when, uh, as you think about what has you just crippling and overwhelmed with shame and unforgiveness. Okay. Uh, for let's keep reading. For those who are following along, I'm at verse five. 
Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Again, it's up to you whether you want to live according to the flesh and to your own desires or according to the spirit. You can be free in the spirit or you can be trapped in the bondage of your flesh. Let's keep going. Verse six, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And y'all, when I was meditating on this particular scripture, it was reminded me of episode four, um, the clearing peace over everything, which is my mantra now, y'all peace over everything. You, if I, that is something that I work on every day to find peace in everything, every day over any and everything that might be going on. But anyway, uh, let's keep going. Verse seven, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So here you go. Again, everything starts with a decision. You can decide, in fact, if you want to be free through the submission uh, of your spirit to God, or if you want to be in bondage to your flesh, which cannot please God and cannot submit to God's law. Okay. I read, you know, and I'm reading all of this, but realistically, I know the true battle here. There is a true battle every day between flesh and spirit. And, you know, and I know this might be an obvious statement, but I have more trouble than not when I submit to my flesh. Um, but you do too. <laughs> okay. If you sit back and really think about it, um, it's, it's this constant battle between what my flesh wants and what God's want God wants and I have to decide every day every minute of every day which one am I going to submit to right it's like do I want the version uh, of my life that can be at rest and free or am I willing to go toe-to-toe with this flesh thing right Do I want to submit to the spirit or do I want to submit to the flesh? And here's a question for you. How do you not submit to the flesh when the flesh feels louder and heavier than the spirit? I mean, and so far in my short 35 years of living, my daily decisions to submit to God have only come from my understanding of what he has called me to do as a believer, as his child. And that understanding has only come from my decision to believe that what he has written is real, which came from my decision to study and pray and ask for help and understanding and wisdom and and protection. Okay, but don't get it twisted. I didn't just come to, you know, this understanding like, oh, I got to pray and study. I got to study the word and stuff like that. And I was, you know, raised in the church. So I knew the behaviors. Right. But true application and true understanding of what I was doing didn't come until much later, right? It came after making some decisions that compromised my walk. And then I found myself running back to him every time. Um, It came um, from me feeling the impact of living my life through the submission of my flesh and having to deal with the repercussions of that, uh, that has led me to doing my best in reversing um, we're trying to reverse all my decisions. That's not realistic. You can't really reverse your decisions once you've made them. But all of that has led me back to an amplified awareness that 
I can't do anything in this world without God. I can't. I cannot live the life of peace without him. I didn't get to this current state of rest and peace without him. Right? Again, again, decisions. And my walk has been far from perfect. My God, my God, far from perfect. I still sometimes struggle with shame, right? I still have to practice forgiveness and compassion, deep, deep compassion, self-compassion, okay? I still have to do that because of the decisions I've made in the past. I have struggled um, I, and I currently have struggles with my flesh and the fight between my flesh and spirit has been tremendously agonizing, but the balm that heals that agony is deciding to trust God and everything deciding that, yes, though it doesn't always feel good to submit to my uh, to the spirit and submit to the spirit. I know this is what God wants me to do. So no, it is not going to always feel good when you have to forgive someone. It isn't. More times than not, it's not going to feel good. But that is what we are called to do. Because my flesh would say, retaliate, get them, or her, or whatever it is. You know, <laughs> that's what my flesh would say. And I would feel so justified. But that is not at all what God would have me to do. And I have to trust that in my submission to him, he is only going to move to protect and prosper me. That's, that's it. So in doing the right thing, even when it hurts, I'm going to trust him. Even when it hurts to forgive this person, I'm going to trust that God is going to take care of everything else. I'm going to trust that God is going to give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm going to trust that vengeance is his. I'm going to trust that I can find rest in him even when the world is at a state of unrest. Right. God is not going to harm me. God is not going to harm you. Now, when I decided to submit to my flesh, that was my that was a decision for me to just harm myself, essentially, or open up myself to harm because I ignored what God had called me to do. And that opened the door for others to harm me. So you decide. How tired do you have to get? of the pain and the agony and the anxiety and the depression, how low do you have to get before you decide to trust him, before you decide to submit to what God says? And you can't really know what God will have you to do if you ain't studying, if you are not opening the word. Okay? That's what happened to me. I grew tired of the pain. I grew tired of being mistreated. I grew tired of allowing people to mistreat me. I grew tired of living below my value system, living below the standards that God had called me to live in. And so I had to readjust my posture and fully surrender to him. And my surrendering may look 
uh, may have looked different than yours. But my surrender, I remember <laughs> moments when I've had to surrender. And it looked like weeping and laying prostrate on the floor, begging for his forgiveness, begging for him to take the pain away, um, begging for relief from it all. It felt and it looked like I was spiraling down because I was and there was no one to catch me. But there was something there was my faith as small as a mustard seed at times, right, that hoped for him, for God to catch me in my spiral. And he has caught me every time, every time. And I want you to think about your own moment of surrender to God. And if you can't think of one, then maybe this is your time to surrender to him. Maybe for your freedom to be free from the weight, to be free from the pain, to be free from the agony. Maybe you need to put your hands up and say, Lord, catch me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, teach me how to forgive this person. Teach me how to forgive this offense because my heart isn't set up like that. I know this is what you want me to do, Lord, so help me. Help me. Sometimes, all the time, not all, sometimes, all the time, we got to call out to the Lord every day. There's a verse, I believe it's Psalm, is it Psalms 88? Where uh, it's, um, it's said, I call out to you every day. I call out to you every day with my hands up to you, out towards you. That is the posture we need, especially when we're trying to steward forgiveness, especially when we're trying to adjust our heart posture to forgive someone who has hurt us deeply. And sometimes that person is yourself. Sometimes you are the person who has hurt you deeply because the other person were just, they were just acting within their character trait. They were just being who they are. And sometimes you allowed it. Sometimes you are the one that's culpable. Sometimes you are not the victim. So yes, ask God to show you how to forgive, right? Surrender to him. We're obligated. We can go back to Romans 1, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Read and meditate on that as long as you need. Okay. Go ahead for the sake of your sonship, for the sake of your um, rightful position as an heir. Go ahead and surrender for your freedom. Surrender the shame you inflict on yourself. Surrender the hurt from that was caused by, some, by someone else. Forgive yourself 
for the shame and self-sabotage and the insecurities and all other acts of self-inflicting emotional and mental and spiritual wounds that have kept you from truly embracing the life God has for you. Surrender it. Throw your hands up. Cry. Scream. Journal. Do what you need to do, but put your hands and say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender it all. And those of y'all who've been up in the church, y'all know I surrender. I surrender it all. Y'all know that song. Y'all know the hymn. That's real. You got to check your heart posture when it comes to trying to align yourself with what God has called you to do. You got to ask God, ask yourself, why will you not forgive this person? Essentially, you got to ask yourself, why are you not willing to submit yourself to the spirit? Why? Why are you willing to compromise your freedom and hold on to this pain? Why? Hmm? So as we move forward and we kind of think about and meditate on shame and, and, and forgiveness, remember, there's no shame in God. And there is no shame that anyone can place on you. Okay? Again, and I'm going to continue to state this, we have to get back to the scriptures. The Bible is full of principles regarding forgiveness that should be applied to the act of forgiving yourself and others. Okay? Full of principles. For example, when God forgives us, it is stated that he remembers our sins no more. We can reference Jeremiah 31, 34 for that one. Uh, Peter said in Acts 10, 34, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Apply no partiality to the issues of forgiveness. God does not choose to forgive one person, not the other. He forgives all of those who believe in him. And he forgives us of everything. Applying his no partiality standards to ourselves is just as important to forgive ourselves as it is to forgive others. It is just as important to forgive ourselves of it all just like we are called to do for others. Now, listen, I'm saying all of this with the full understanding that forgiveness is a practice. It takes time. You're not going to get out the gate knowing how to forgive or even wanting to, or even having a heart to. It is a molding of sorts that has to take place. You got to ask God to mold your heart So much so that you can forgive just like he forgives you. That you can forgive yourself just like he forgives you. That you can forgive others just like he forgives you. Okay? Forgiveness is not going to happen overnight. Especially when you consider whatever the offense might have been. Those deep, gut-punching, heart-wrenching betrayals. Those deep grievances. Those unimaginable actions against you. How do you forgive such things? The hurt, the anger, the betrayal, everything that can. How do you forgive? How do you settle yourself to a point where your spirit takes over and your flesh wanes how do you do that 
before you do anything. You pray. Again, we got to get back to the basics. And that too sounds cliche as I say it, but it's so true. We don't pray fervently and earnestly anymore. We don't talk to God anymore. We don't say, before we go out and do, Lord, show me what to do. Lord, show me or tell me what to say and show me who to say it to. We just go out and we, we just react. Part of stewarding forgiveness is slowing down and asking yourself critical questions. Ask yourself, what happened? Why did it impact you the way that it did? Why does it matter? And ask yourself, now what? Now what? Ask yourself how you were feeling and then say, now what? And ask God for the answer. Okay? I can say all of this because I've been through it time and time and time again. I'm going through it now. <laughs> this isn't anything that I'm not presently going through. But I, I've learned enough to share a bit of uh, the wisdom that I obtained from, from heartbreak. I've been uh, doing an intentional uh, study and an in-depth study on uh, Proverbs and Psalms. And I'm, you know, really finding myself connecting to both books in ways I haven't before. Right. And I just kind of attribute this to all of the hardships that I face <laughs> in my life. You know, hardships can do one thing. They can make you callous and make your lens crusty. Right. To where you have like spiritual glaucoma or they can clear up your vision. You also get to decide what happens. And forgiveness is a part of that. Stewarding forgiveness appropriately will impact your vision for good. You get to decide what it does to your vision though. Okay. But, uh, in Proverbs or in Psalms, particularly, uh, I was recently meditating on Psalms chapter, uh, 103 verses two and four, and then verses 11 and 13. Um, and it reads, well, verses two and four reads, praise the Lord, my soul and forget not, not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. In verses 11 through 13 reads, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. What did you take from those scriptures? This is what I took. God forgives all. He forgives all our sins. And he gives us love and compassion. Okay? So he frees us from our sins. Freedom. Okay? So he gives us freedom. <laughs> through the forgiveness of our sins, okay? And then he gives us love and he gives us compassion. 
three pillars are listed here in terms of how God wants us to show up in this world. In freedom, in love, and in compassion. And if you do not forgive, you are robbing yourself of freedom, of love, and of compassion. Think about whatever it is that you're thinking about in terms of the grievance, who hurt you, what they did, uh, the shame that you're carrying. Think about if carrying that weight is worth you compromising freedom, love, and compassion. A life full of those things. Think about it. It's up to you. This is between you and God. But I promise you, I have, I have endured some very deep seated pain. I mean, unimaginable. And I had to figure out a way to submit all of that pain and all of that shame to God so that I could live more in freedom, so I could live a life more built from love and compassion. All right? So there are some action steps that you can start to take in terms of forgiving yourself. And uh, one practice that I've been doing for years and it's helped me, and this is something that, you know, I picked up through therapy, therapy and Jesus, y'all, therapy and Jesus. But I, I recommend uh, writing and reciting for reflection and healing, okay? Write, recite, reflect, and heal. I want you to think about a grievance that you had that you had to deal with um, or that you currently have with someone and think about how you show up in terms of accountability, right? Because we're not all victims, okay? Just saying. But think about all of that. Think about the shame you carry around, whatever it may be. Again, write it down. Uh, write down what happened, who said what, who did what, uh, why you believe it happened, okay? Uh, and then next to that, write out an I forgive myself for statement, okay? So you'll write down the event. You'll write down why you believe it happened, why you may have done what you did, why you participated in the way that you did or not. And you say, I forgive myself for X, Y, and Z. Here's, here's a real life example that I can give you. I was working on forgiving an abuser. Uh, I carried a lot of shame around uh, the relationship, um, actions that took place, my behavior, you know, which I do now have a full understanding uh, that was rooted in survival. And I said, uh, Brittany, I forgive you for shaming yourself when you were only trying to survive the abuse. I understand your behavior was learned. I understand you were manipulated and controlled and taken advantage of. Thank you for not giving up on me. I forgive you for the shame that you carried that weighed me down. Now, I'm going to pause here, but this is an exercise that I also highly recommend you do in a mirror. You have to kind of like talk to yourself as if you're talking to someone else. Right? But notice I said, Brittany, I forgive you. I was talking to myself, though. I was looking at myself in the mirror. Um, but I do recommend you talk to yourself with some level of intention. 
Um, I also wrote down my behavior in terms of like what I allowed and why I allowed it because it's important to also get understanding of why and how you participate in things as it pertains to your life and as it pertains to how you show up in others. And all that getting, get understanding. That's in Proverbs 2. Okay? I, well, not Proverbs 2, but Proverbs also. <laughs> um, but I also forgave myself for not leaving the abuser and understanding that at the time I didn't know how. I forgave myself for the cycles of abuse I would later endure uh, in, in other relationships because my understanding and behavior patterns lag behind one another. I forgave myself for not valuing myself the way God does. I, I didn't truly appreciate how God valued me because I didn't know. I didn't, I knew, listen, I knew scriptures. I didn't understand them. Okay. But when I came to an understanding, oh, God's love runs deep for me. My value system changed. Right? The price went up. Everything shifted. Right? So I, I forgave myself for like compromising my value system over and over and over again. And I also understood though that my behaviors again were learned from childhood. And it would take a while to to change them. But I praise God. And I thank him and, and my small but mighty godly community, which is important when you're trying to steward forgiveness, when you're trying to steward love, watch who you hang around because they will influence everything that you think, and everything that you should do. And every Watch who you hang around. Brittany could have avoided a lot of mess if she watched who she hung around, period. And I know that sounds real basic, but it is. It's just, it's just as simple as that. Watch who you hang around. If they do not carry the same values as you, if they do not value God in the way that you do, if they do not value their spiritual walk in the way that you do, bye. Put up boundaries because it's serious. This is so serious. We, I have witnessed people, I mean, adults, senior citizens, just wrapped up in anger and bitterness because they didn't know how to forgive. They didn't know how to love themselves. They didn't, they just, they didn't know. Maybe no one, maybe no one told them, but I don't want to live my life or live the rest of however many days I have on this earth in any type of bitterness because the peace that God has for you, I'm trying to tell you is sweet. Okay. It's sweet. It's like none other. It surpasses all understanding. I will never have peace the way I have peace in God from anyone, from a man, from friends, from family, from a job. Not even sweet old Mocha Bean. That's my dog. That's my baby. But I ain't, no. Okay? So it's important that y'all take this seriously. Now, in learning all of this stuff, I would go on to make mistakes. But each time I would, you know, each time I would learn something new and I would knock off some old remnants of like old survival strategies and tap more into freedom, getting closer and closer into freedom. Okay. Forgiving yourself is also important for those in your sphere of influence. 
it's a well-known fact that and saying that hurt people hurt people. I don't want you to be one of the ones who hurt people because you hurt. I don't want you to want to be one of those people, okay? To hurt people because you hurt. But the longer you avoid forgiving yourself or stewarding forgiveness, the longer you allow yourself to sit and wallow in bitterness and hurt and harm, and then you make others susceptible to your pain, essentially hurting them. Heal. Heal. Let it go. Surrender. And as, you know, eager as I'm speaking right now, I can't want this for you. (laughs) I can't. You have to want it for yourself, right? And some of this is being real with yourself, saying, dang, I have truly molded my identity or wrapped my identity in brokenness and and bitterness and and hurt and harm and shame because that's all I know. When really you got to tap into your identity in Christ, (laughs) you got to say, I don't want to be this version of Brittany no more. It's not getting me anywhere. I want to be happy. I want to have joy. I want to have peace. I want to have love. I want to have freedom. And submit, surrender to God. Okay? Now, let's get into forgiving others. This is where I struggle. I struggle a bit. Um, because I, I had, over time, developed a practice of saying, I forgive you, still be in communion with that person, and still not let go of their offense. Still not allow my, not even give myself the, the freedom to process what happened, to, to grieve, to do whatever. Because I was, I was kind of raised in a, in a religious system and really in a culture that says, well, okay, you forgive now, all is well. You forgive me now, all is well. You got to forgive me. You know, I'm so-and-so. You, you got to forgive because, you know, God said so. But it didn't make space for me to process my pain. And so I was saying I was forgiving, but I wasn't doing anything with the pain. I wasn't able to process it. I wasn't, wasn't able to speak to how uh, whatever the grievance was or how, whatever the offense was, I wasn't able to speak to how that impacted me. There was no space or no voice given to my feelings, to my emotions at all. And that, that's the tragedy of it all because it developed a very toxic uh, behavior pattern, uh, you know, thought pattern too, in terms of my role as a Christian in terms of, you know, my participation, my role is, you know, I, um, as a, as a girlfriend or as a, a, a daughter, as a friend, as a whatever, I did not have a clear vision or clear understanding on what my role was when I was met with an offense. And so even that behavior kind of uh, is really what kept me in abusive uh, situations and manipulative and controlling situations. What I have learned from that is that I don't need to wait 
for someone to apologize for uh, to me in order for me to forgive them. And when I forgive, I have all right to disengage with that person. I have every right to take the space I need to process my emotions about what happened and to give a voice to them. Now, I'm 35. <laughs> I've been living most of my life doing the opposite because of how I was raised, how I was taught, right? Um, but let me tell you the problem with waiting until someone apologizes to you to forgive. Uh that type of thinking or behavior is rooted in control and manipulation. And it's saying to the offender that they are going to keep me in bondage until they free me with their apology. No. So you mean to tell me that I'm supposed to wait uh, until you somehow humble yourself in order uh, and then come to me and apologize and then I'm free from the weight of what you carry? No, absolutely not. When I was doing that lesson I talked to you all about um, for the ladies Bible class recently, uh, the Holy Spirit put in me a mantra uh, that goes, you know, for my freedom, I release you. So over time, I had to learn that I had to figure out a way to release this pain or the weight of the shame or whatever it is so that I could experience freedom. I had recently, I recently had somebody come to me and uh, they had, you know, done your girl wrong child they did and said some things yada 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 whatever and they waited a significant amount of time <laughs> I mean it, uh, they waited a while to come to me and acknowledge what they did and I listened to them right uh I gave them the space that they felt like they needed and I told them I said well that's all well and good I'm glad you came to whatever understanding you came to. But that wasn't for me. That was for you. The apology was not for me. Even though they tried to make it for me. Listen, I had made a decision over some time to forgive that person before they came to apologize to me. Because my freedom depended on it. So you do not, again, you do not need someone's apology to grant you permission to forgive them. You forgive because you need freedom from the weight of the pain. Right? I mean, other people have said the same thing. And like Will Smith and I think other just high profile people, uh, unforgiveness is like toxic to your bones. It kills you. It's like poison. Forgive people. Even before or even without their apology. Some people will probably never come to you and apologize. So you're going to hold on to whatever that is? All right, do you, honey. But I don't think that's what God will have you to do. Um, but I want you to take your freedom back. I want you to take control back of your heart. Take control back over what you grieve over. Take control back over uh, what you allow to cause you any type of pain or hurt or harm or agony. Take it back. Take it back and know that when it comes to you forgiving others, do it unprovoked of their behavior and of their decision to even ask for an apology or ask for forgiveness, right? Do it unprovoked. I want us to kind of think about 
where forgiveness sits in our hearts and our minds, right? I want to kind of think about if we're holding grudges. I want to kind of think about what forgiveness feels like, okay? So here's one test for me, and this may not work for you, but for me, uh, (laughs) my trauma responses are on par, Okay, they uh, activate (laughs) flawlessly, okay? But part of your trauma response is rooted in your ability to forgive. And part of healing your trauma response is rooted in your understanding of what happened, uh, you forgiving the offense in the offender, and you putting up necessary boundaries to protect yourself and perhaps the other person from the repeat offense, okay? Um, but give yourself a small little test. When you think about someone or an offense, think about how our bodies respond. Think about uh, the anxiety that may come up or the negative thoughts that may come up. All of the distressful responses that come up. And ask yourself, have you forgiven that person? And why not? Ask yourself, is peace rooted in you or is anxiety uprooting you? And then ask yourself, why haven't you forgiven? Ask yourself, what is it in your body or in your mind that is still fearful of that person Or what is it in your body or your mind that still has you angry and upset? And do the work of dissecting that and forgiving it. That's why, listen, therapy and Jesus are important, okay? With a therapist, with with a a competent therapist, you can do this exercise and you can, you know, go, uh, go through this over and over and over again until you come to a state of understanding, awareness, and, and forgiveness. Do the things that calm your nervous system so that you can think through the offense clearly okay but think about it think about how your body responds when you think about a particular offense and that sometimes oftentimes will cue you into whether or not you have truly forgiven that person i'm gonna give you an example real life example here uh i dated somebody dated somebody in the church uh Never again. Anyway, I dated somebody in the church and it was a very public relationship, but it was also privately abusive. It is what it is. Uh, thankfully, God freed me from that relationship, but it hurt, right? I I wanted that relationship. I valued it in ways. <laughs> um, but the relationship itself was hurtful. Like, it, it really was, you know, after doing some reflecting and understanding that that person was not good for me. Um, but it also hurt because the relationship ended uh, in a very, like, tumultuous like way uh, but because it was such a public relationship like at church I couldn't really return to the church for a while and I think what helped me was that you know I moved away uh, but later I returned uh, like to visit and I thought I had forgiven that person but I didn't I had buried myself and moving forward like socioeconomically and professionally and 
you know, just with other relationships, I never really focused on my healing. I did not do the work to forgive and to heal. So I visited the church one Sunday and the sight of this person made me absolutely sick. I mean, it made me sick to my stomach. Like I literally got sick. I literally got sick. And I didn't return for almost a full year. I mean, the the pandemic was helpful. <laughs> but I didn't. This was a time where we were, you know, kind of um, returning back to church in, in small number and stuff like that. I didn't. I couldn't go. I didn't go. Uh, but then I, I went back to therapy because I realized that there was more work for me to do. I had not truly forgiven this person. I hadn't done the work to heal. And I, and I actually liked this congregation. I, I wanted to, to worship there. And I was determined to not make my communal worship experience about this person. Uh, this person had not come to me and apologized for what he had done and said, like, it's just, he, in fact, moved on with his life, you know? So I had to make the decision then to forgive absent, forgive absent of an apology, period. Um, so I did that work and it was tough work. It was tough because I wanted, I wanted him to be held accountable. Like I, I wanted revenge. Like I just like, I wanted all of the things the flesh would want, right? Um, but I, I was also more determined to not allow, allow him and what he had done to control me and to trap me into a state of unforgiveness and bitterness. So again, I began the process of forgiving him and forgiving myself. And I would later return to the church. I would later return to the church and, and be active and be involved again. Um, but forgiveness... What, one thing I want you to take from, from that is forgiveness is a constant exercise. It's, one, it's an exercise I had to constantly perform uh, when I came in contact just with his aura, okay? I, um, I found myself, like when I was triggered by the sight of him or by hearing him or hearing about him, I had to constantly say, I forgive you, I forgive you. I forgave him over and over and over and I held compassion uh, for him over and over. And I also held a great deal of pity. Okay. Um, but I did the work that was necessary to allow my nervous system to settle and come to a state of rest and for me to fully forgive. I currently, I'm not phased by this person. I, if this person were to come to me, what's up? Like it, no grudges held. And I thank the Holy Spirit. I thank Jesus. I thank therapy for that work. Okay. You got to get to a point where your peace is still, uh, it's unbothered. Your peace is made still when you see that person, when you think about the offense, you got to come to a, a space where you're not numb now. Now numbness and being unbothered are two different things. When you are numb therapy, when you are just pieces made still in your life, that's Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about numbness. I'm talking about where you can look at somebody, you can think about what they've done and you can say, yeah, Hey, I forgive them. And you can also wish them well. You know what? I hope they're doing okay. God bless them and not be sarcastic with it. I've said God bless them in very sarcastic ways. I've wished God's best revenge on certain people. Now that's, that's not right, but I'm just telling you the truth. You know what I mean? But 
you got to come to a point where your nervous system isn't triggered by that person or by what they did or the thoughts of them. Okay. Again, forgiveness takes time. Forgiveness is a process. This work is tough. It's tough, y'all. It's tough because our flesh wants nothing more but to retaliate when somebody hurts us, when somebody harms us. Our flesh wants us to be God. But my, well, I don't know if it was my grandma. Let me not lie on her. God rest her soul. But older people used to always tell me God can do more to that person than we could. Okay. I Let me tell you. I've been done wrong. And yes, I'm putting this on God. I've been done wrong so bad by people. God has shut down their organizations, their businesses. You see what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm going to make that about me, <laughs> whether it was or not. But I, I rested in the fact that, God, you see what's happening. You see what has happened. I'm going to let you take care of it. Did I have to steal my flesh? Yes. Did I have to reel myself in? Yes. But I only was able to do that through prayer and meditation, through deep, deep, deep surrender. Okay? Again, this work is tough. And at times, because your identity is so wrapped up in hurt and rooted in, in bitterness, it's easier to stay mad. It's easier to stay in a state of unforgiveness. It's easier to stay bitter because that's what you identify with. That's where you come or you feel like you're more alive. But I'm telling you, you are closer to death than you are alive when you choose to stay in a state of unforgiveness. So you got to be tenacious about your shift in, in uh, understanding forgiveness. You got to be tenacious in your shift and changing your identity to come in alignment with God. Okay. I want you to understand this also. What is true after some time is you become used to whatever environment you're in. So if you're used to chaos, you will perpetuate it everywhere you go. You will create chaos because your mind and your body and your nervous system needs that to function, to operate, to be so-called alive. On the flip side of that, if you're used to peace, you will do everything you need to do to safeguard it. Okay? You decide the life that you want to live. You can live in a state of peace and rest and freedom and love when you submit to the spirit. Or you can live in chaos and agony and pain and incessant revenge tactics. <laughs> you can do all of that by submitting to the flesh. It's up to you. I want you to think about again, keep thinking about what forgiveness means to you. Okay? Keep thinking about it. And keep thinking about you being an heir of God. We can share in his glory. If and only if we submit to the spirit. Think about your heart posture when it comes to your enemy. In Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, we're called to uh, feed our enemy if they are hungry. Give them food. And if they are thirsty, give them water to drink. In doing so, you will, weep, uh, will heap burning coals on their heads and the Lord will reward you. Can you feed your enemy as you currently think about it? If your enemy came to you right now 
and said, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm starving. I have no food. What you going to say? Starve as you should. Starve to death. What you coming to me for? Is that what you're going to say? Or you can give them food to eat. Think about it. If they came and they were thirsty, what's your response? Oh, well, you just going to have to be, you going to dehydrate, my brother. <laughs> you going to dehydrate on my watch. And you going to watch them dehydrate. Or you can give them water to drink. Think about your heart posture. Again, we're called to feed our enemies when they're hungry. Give them water to drink when they're thirsty. You going to submit to your flesh? You going to submit to the spirit. Forgiveness is hard, y'all, but it's necessary. <laughs> it is necessary. I want you to use this as a measuring tool. Okay? If your enemy is in need, think about what you would do. But then, when you are in need, think about what God does. Ooh. What does God do? Hmm? Has God supplied all your needs? Yes. And then some, yes. Has God supplied exceedingly abundantly above all that we, we can ask and think? Yes, Ephesians 3.20, yes. Okay? And if you're not ready to forgive, don't shame yourself for it. It's okay. Just make sure you don't stay there. Make sure you don't stay in a state of unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness. It's okay. Pray for wisdom and understanding. Pray for specific actions, specific things that you should do or say and think and ways you should behave in order to get to a point of full forgiveness. First, surrender and then forgiveness. Hmm? It's okay. It's okay. But I, I want you to think about this episode and really think about your heart posture. Think about how God treats you. Think about how you treat yourself. And you'll likely see a mirror reflection in how you treat others and how you treat God. Okay? Think about what your body does when you reflect on the offenses of others. Hmm? Does your heart sink to the pit of your stomach? Is your peace suspended? Have you grown overwhelmingly anxious? Are you triggered in any way? Okay, that's okay. What is it going to take for you to heal? First, you got to surrender. You got to surrender all of that to God and say, I give it over to you. Teach me. Show me every step. I have been in very dark situations, very dark spaces in my life where I, could, I couldn't see past the pain. I couldn't. I couldn't see it. And the only thing that I, I uttered, that I could utter was, I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Like, I trusted him enough to show me the way. You got to get there. Your goal is to secure your healing and your freedom. Your goal is not to continue to negotiate fight or flight when you see someone who offended you or who hurt you. That's not, that's not the goal. Your goal is to secure your healing and your freedom. Okay? So when you want to retaliate, when you want your flesh to win, 
Think about Proverbs 16, 25, where it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Okay. Do the work of surrendering, surrendering every act of flesh to God and submitting to the spirit. This energy that it takes to harbor anger, hatred, bitterness, resentment towards yourself and others is so exhausting. It is so exhausting. Imagine the good that you could do with all that energy that's taken up by, by unforgiveness. Imagine the people you could serve. Imagine the love that you could finally return to yourself if you chose to use that energy for good. Okay, I want to encourage you to honor your relationship with yourself by honoring your relationship with God and make the decision that is right for you. Again, all of this is between you and God. No one else. You don't owe anyone an explanation for anything. You do the work because you want to do the work. You do the work because you want to live differently moving forward. Okay, do the work because you value your yourself you value your relationship with God. I want to encourage you to fully strive towards experiencing peace in every day. You're not going to be at peace every day, but you can find peace in every day. Okay? You can find it. And part of this is knowing how to steward forgiveness. Forgiving yourself and forgiving others opens the door to healing. Forgiving yourself leads you from a worrier to a warrior. From a victim to a conqueror. And I mean that. And I know I'm saying that and it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Man, the work that I have done, listen, the self-work that I have done, I, I've never felt so sure in my conviction about who God is and my role. Never. But that's because that's because God took me from a warrior to a warrior. I'm more than a conqueror in God. Okay? Come on, Romans. You don't get to this level of conviction just by performing worship, by performing praise, by performing a prayer. You have to be fully surrendered to him. To where your praise and worship is not a performance, it's your way of being, it's your way of living. I want you to hold on to this. I want you to know like you know like you know that we are free people. But when we consent to live a life of bondage wrapped in hurt and pain and bitterness, we're saying, hey, Lord, I don't want to be free no more. Handcuff me. We're saying, hey, Lord, I don't want this identity in you that you've given me so freely. I don't want this, this, this life of love and peace and freedom and compassion. I don't, I don't want it. I want pain instead. That's what you're saying. But we are free. I want you to experience it. I actually want you to know it. Okay. Back to the overall notion of stewarding forgiveness. Stewarding forgiveness comes with awareness. 
Okay. It comes with awareness. You have to be aware of your heart posture. You got to be aware of uh, your behavior patterns and your thought patterns. You also got to be aware of the other person. And I'm saying all that to say because uh, something I had to learn later in my life is that forgiveness can also come with boundaries and still be forgiveness. Okay. So I can forgive you and not mess with you no more. We don't have to be in commune anymore. We don't have to talk anymore. We don't have, because I'm aware now that you are unaware of yourself (laughs) and I am not going to continue to compromise my walk or my emotional and mental and spiritual safety because you decide to practice uh, unawareness. You decide to live in a state of oblivion. Okay, well, the boundary now is, yes, I forgive you, but I'm not messing with you no more. I can do that. Okay? Now, stewarding forgiveness with awareness also means that, hey, if I'm choosing to forgive myself or choosing to forgive so-and-so, hey, Brittany, there are some behavior patterns that you also have to change. So you won't be a repeat offender of X, Y, and Z, that you won't continue to allow. So boundaries, okay? Boundaries, don't make boundaries a bad word. It's not. Boundaries are, when, when done correctly, are healthy. They're healthy. We've been taught, like I said earlier on, that forgiveness with forgiveness, you gotta, you know, get back into the good graces of the person and and act like nothing happened. And that no. <laughs> nope. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. I can forgive you and move on with my life. Or I can forgive you and be back in communion with you. But we both have to be in a state of awareness so we won't be repeat offenders because I'm <laughs> how many more times you want to go through the cycle of uh, repeating the same offense and then asking for forgiveness. So I want that to be very clear too. Okay. Forgiveness is an acknowledgement of the wrongdoing and an intentional act of grace and love towards yourself and others in an effort to not allow the offense to happen again. That's what true forgiveness is. Okay. I want y'all to also think about your role in terms of what repentance is. Right. It's a sorrowful turn away from that behavior. And that person isn't sorrowful, isn't repentant. Okay. Still forgive them. But boundaries, people. Okay. I want to focus on one final exercise before I close. When you go through the forgiveness exercises, forgiving yourself, you know, that exercise, uh, I want you to do do the same exercise um, when it comes to forgiving others. But I want you to end that exercise uh, with gratitude. Forgiveness always ends with gratitude. What that I have found that to be the most sustainable healing ointment. Thank God for sustaining you 
through the process of forgiveness. Thank God for keeping your mind, for keeping your heart when you lost it. You may have lost your heart and mind, but God kept it for you. Okay. Thank yourself for moving through the pain and trusting God enough to catch you. Thank yourself for not giving up. Also, thank the offender for what they did because it only brought you closer to God. It only helped you see God clearer. It only helped you realize God's love uh, even more than what you had before. But always, when you're trying to steward forgiveness, turn to gratitude. Turn to gratitude always. As I close, the reality is that you cannot change what has happened. You can't. You cannot restore lives to where they were before the event. You can't take words back or the harm the words caused. What's done is done. What's said is said. But you can always start new. Forgiveness does give you that. You can start anew and create a better life and create a better way of being. I want you to... to create to the newness of what forgiveness can bring to the freedom to the love to the compassion that's waiting on the other side of forgiveness this road now and the way forward okay will be bumpy (laughs) it'll be unimaginable and unbearable and unrealistic but with consistent practice with Asking God for understanding and direction. The road itself was smoothen in time. I encourage you to stop the punishment parade. Ooh, stop the punishment parade. Stop punishing yourself. Stop punishing others. Get off the train and start walking towards forgiveness. Stop allowing unforgiveness to control your life and allow forgiveness to change the direction of your life. Okay? It's tough, but it's doable. It's tough, but I believe in you. Okay? Most important, I believe in God and the power of God that lies within each of us. I really, really hope this helps someone out there tonight. Remember, forgiveness takes time. So please take the time you need. But make sure you get there. Get there. I, too, am in this walk with you. And finally, ooh, to those I am still struggling to forgive. For my freedom, I release you. We'll talk again soon, y'all. Take care.